And now it's time for Leadership of the Leaf with Dice and Austin. Let's jump in with a cut and a light. And welcome to another episode of Leadership of the Leaf, where we talk about cigars and leadership. Uh, Tonight, we're going to talk about some interesting topics. I think they're going to be hopefully entertaining. Uh, So first on the first segment is obviously the cigar segment, as most of our people know. Uh, We're going to talk about what is different about box press cigars. Oh, that's cool. My name is Dice. What's your name? Oh, my my name is Austin. Oh, hi, Austin. (laughs) Let's do this podcast thing. We're going to talk about box press cigars. How about our leadership portion? We talk about (laughs) when to cut someone off. When is enough enough? Ooh, that's a a tough call. But... (laughs) While we discuss this, I'm going to sit here and smoke on my nice, lovely CAO Bones cigar. Oh, CAO Bones. I remember when that came out, if you bought a box, you get not a set of dominoes with it, but a pair of dice with them. See, that's that's some bullshit. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, I agree. But I mean, you can call uh, dice bones too, like throw them bones, roll them bones, whatever. I just wish they were like uh, some kind of swag or had like CAO on the dice. It was just a regular pair of dice. So I never pursued buying a box. I mean, it would be even nice if they were just like, like uh, I'll say like ivory type material, you know, or like ivory colored. You yeah, know? Something a little more special than just, just hey, a- we gave you a regular pair of fucking dice. I can get those with Monopoly. Yeah, <laughs> find those in the streets. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, that's, that's. <laughs> Anyway, well, you smoking that. I am smoking that. Ad, Ad, Alec Bradley. I learned to speak over the weekend. Alec oh. Bradley Magic Toast. Were you also born yesterday? Yes, off a turnip truck. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> and what, of course, are you pairing this Magic Toast with? If I had to guess, I'm going to say Hennessy. Oh, you are absolutely correct, sir. But today's mm. a slightly different. It's a VSOP. It's uh, one level up of regular DS Hennessy, so it's a little more pricey. Well, I mean, all that money can, uh, I guess, do wonders for you if you want it to. <laughs> How about you? What do you What do you got? I am sitting here sipping on Jack Daniel's Single Barrel Select Whiskey. And I, and I thought I had something special. Mm, nope. Can't, <laughs> can't have special me, homie. <laughs> well, good. Mm, tasty. <laughs> Fucking jerk. All right. So, box press. What you know? What do you know about box press cigars? As far as I know, box press cigars, they were, it was like so they can pack more in an actual box. It's actually a little cheaper to produce. And I actually don't mind them if I'm going to be sending my cigar down. Okay. So, history, I did some research, of course, as I do for every episode. Uh, history can be traced back to pre-embargo Cuba, right? Um, okay. The the reasoning behind them is, like you said, um, one, maximize space in a already cram-packed cigar box, as well as, you know, if a freshly lit cigar and you decided to set it down, um, it wouldn't roll off the table. So those are... <laughs> That's about it. What well, was it? Uh, so they pack more because of weight. Because isn't cigarette shipped by weight? Like tobacco is done by weight. 
usually, but you also have, um, I mean, you know, you think of a circle and a circle sitting next to each other. There's like gaps of air underneath them, right? Yeah. So you can't, you know, you can't pack, you might be able to pack one or two extra type in there in, in a box. Um, some people actually say that they're the poor man's cigar uh, because they would have to buy box press cigars, which usually were more mass produced. So they were ending up being cheaper. Um, but there's, I mean, to, the, to this day, I don't really believe that. I think box press cigars are just as good as any other cigars. Uh, uh, I find that funny that some people like don't like because they're mass produced and whatever the reasoning. But the thing is, is I would have that a box press cigar takes longer to make than it would a regular cigar. It does. Considering the fact that they have to go in the box press, turn, box press, turn, box press. Mm. We'll get into how they're made here in a little bit. Oh, perfect. But so box presses, I know what, you know, everyone's all right, great. Let's do some history lesson, right? But what makes them so, to me, so good is that they're actually usually a slower burn and a little bit of a looser draw, which means that they don't heat up as quickly so i get more of the flavor of the tobacco while i'm smoking on a box press i can definitely understand that uh, airflow is definitely a, a a way to get a good burn on your cigar well so part of that is because of the shape unless you just really try to smile in a square right not smile like a donut <laughs> you uh, end up you end up pulling some air from the outside around the edges of your cigar and that's what helps kind of cool it down and then you don't actually cause as much what i would say consider palate trauma and for those of you who don't know what palate trauma is your tongue is a palate right your taste palate and if you ever wake up in the morning and all you taste is old cigar or and that's all you could taste for like half a day or a day next that's palate trauma that makes sense that makes Hopefully perfect it does. yeah well if it doesn't make sense go ahead and uh email in he'll explain <laughs> it again <laughs> i'll send you exactly what i just said in writing <laughs> so but yeah so they're they're made by rolling in that traditional cigar shape and then they're placed into boxes and they're packed down into boxes uh tighter uh, while they're still like damp and malleable uh, and those boxes are then compressed gradually until all the available space is taken up and they take on that square shape. So that's one method. Okay. The other method is called trunk pressing. T-R-U-N-K. And that is each individual cigar is compressed between a series of wooden slats for a period of 30 minutes to 12 hours. And the cigars are clamped in a very squared off fixed shape and rotated to press all four sides with equal pressure. But that one actually takes a whole bunch more skill and time so you don't split the wrapper. Hmm. I wonder if there's a way to tell the difference. Like if I'm going to purchase one, like I want to make sure I get a trunk press one. I guess you have to do some research to find out how they did it before you actually purchase it. Cause I don't yeah. think there's any markings or anything like on a box for you nope. to be able to tell the difference. Not that I could find. Maybe that's something uh, the manufacturer should do. Maybe they can capitalize on that, you know? Yeah, that'd be interesting. I would like to see what the difference between, like, if I got two cigars, 
right? And I just want the box press method or the trunk press method. And I had the same two cigars and I smoked a box press of one and a trunk press of the same one. If the, if the flavor profile would be any different. I would think it would be slightly different because I would assume the trunk press is a little tighter in the corners than the uh, regular just box press. Very possible. Because in a, in a trunk press, I feel like it's a little bit more square because you're not buttoned up against another malleable cigar. Yeah. So it may be a little bit more squared off, so to speak. Kind of, what's that one cigar recluse that's kind of more of a rectangular shape? I'm pretty yeah. sure that's how they do that. To squeeze it down. Squeeze it. And I'm sure that, you know, the trunk pressing, you know, I say it's all in wood slats, but I'm sure they have like a series of wooden slats that could do like 10 cigars at a time or whatever. And they have contraptions. Um, you know, I, I mean, the box press, though, is a lot of people I've noticed, they're like, I don't even know how to cut a box press cigar. Yes. I When I first got one, I think I cut it incorrectly the first time. But I'll let you tell your side, and then I will for sure agree with one of them. <laughs> so... Again, the shape is a little bit different for everything. Um, usually a punch or cigar scissors is probably some of the best way to do it. Uh, if your get ring gauge is small enough and it can fit inside a standard guillotine, that could also work. All right. Well, the method I prefer to use on a box press is a punch, which you uh, alluded to. Also, if I use the guillotine, I prefer to use one that has like serrated teeth instead of just being a, a straight cut. Hmm. Why? Because to me, it feels like it grips into it and it doesn't necessarily rip through the actual square shape of it and just cut straight, straight through. Unlike a, a straight cut, a lot of times I see it kind of press before it actually does the actual straight cut. Hmm. I think that's just a product of how sharp that straight cut is it, it yes i agree with you on that but even with like a brand new like really name brand cutter calibre or whatever i'm using um the straight cut still presses into the cigar some if you pay attention next time you use your your straight cut you'll see it still presses into the cigar as where the serrated one actually kind of like cuts into it instead of pressing it together hmm okay so rather than smush it, it actually just cuts it a little bit cleaner? Correct. Okay. See, so for me, I don't ever use anything that, that big. Like, I don't ever smoke anything that big on a ring gauge. So I actually use my Calibri Deep V Cut on box press cigars all the time. And I actually have, like, zero issues with it. Do you try to cut it on the flat or do you try to cut it from corner to corner? Oh, on like, the flat. Like a diamond why shape. Would, why would you cut it corner to corner wow. like a loser? Like, no, maybe you can get like a diamond shape and you like be a, a, a you know, groundbreaking. You know what? I'll try it next time. <laughs> I'll try I think, it. I think you just called me a loser. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I'll try it. I mean, I can't call you a loser if I ain't ever done it. Well, let's, let's try it. You, we definitely will post that on, on, on Instagram. I got to see it. Yeah. I, yeah. I'll send you a video. I'll have, <laughs> I'll have the wife help me videotape that. Um. No, I mean, I've done it. I do it on the flat. So I usually do it. How to explain it? The width of the cigar, right? So the short, yeah. shorter side is where I cut my V up and down. Um, yeah. 
but then if I don't get enough airflow, I'll turn it and I'll cut the length of the cigar too, because usually they're kind of rectangular. So I'll, I'll cut that one too, and kind of like a crown cut to yeah. get a little bit more airflow if it's if it's too constricting. I like to call it a rook cut when it's on a uh, square when it's on a square oh, okay. cigar. But yeah, the same same concept. I just like to change the name because it's a square cigar. Silly, oh. silly. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. How is uh, how is your magic toast, by the way? We haven't. Well, I'm I'm really digging into the first third. I uh, didn't really pay much attention to my code draw. Sorry, I really wanted to get into it because it has like a little name, a uh, little story behind it, where they Ooh. were like in a field of tobacco and they was like toasting champagne because of the crop was so great. And then they're like, "This is magic. This is a magical batch of tobacco." This is a magic toast. So they clink their champagne flutes and stuff in celebration. <laughs> and that's how they named this cigar, Magic Toast. All right, fair enough. All right, so my first third that I'm getting into, which I was a little unhappy at first because I got some red pepper. I don't mind black, I don't mind white, but when it comes to my cigar, I'm just not a fan of red pepper, period. But it didn't last long. It was just like at the very beginning. Now it's more of a earth and a black coffee. Nice. Nice. I'm getting wood, uh, earth, and maybe a little bit of nuts on there. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably about into my second third. Uh, my first third was was lighter than that. I think there was some vanilla thrown in there to kind of mellow everything out. But right now it's kind of it's kind of hitting me with that that earth and wood type flavor, which is really good. Uh, it's definitely not bad. If, if I remember that cigar, because I have smoked one before, uh, smoked actually quite a few before. I remember it. It's not overly priced, but I wouldn't call it a budget stick. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't I think I picked this up when I came to see you, but I don't remember how much I paid for it. But it wasn't it wasn't terribly. It was not in the double digit range, if I remember right. Yeah, if it, it was, been, it was like ten or eleven. It should have been around seven or nine. Yeah, something Depen like that. De depending on where you live. Uh, yep. Sorry for the people that stay in New York. There's a hell of, hell of fucking tobacco tax in New York. Yeah, same thing with like California and I think Oregon, Washington. Yeah. So, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. I was like, I'm not quite in my second third yet, so I, I will announce that in uh, while we're while we're conversating. Okay. So yeah. So so box press cigars, man. There's, I don't. I think there's a lot of interesting notes that come out more subtle notes that come out when i'm smoking a box press um I, I could remember the first budget stick that i had the real first box press that i remember it was by uh viking cigars as the uh box press rebellion um and on their on uh, what i like about it too is they they made a band and they had a uh, they have a pawn like a chess piece pawn with a yeah. crown on it like tilted like they like the pawn took it from the king, which is what I thought was always really cool. Uh, it's red and black. It looks it looks awesome. Go check it out if you haven't. Um, but I remember that one. It's a it's a I would consider it a budget stick because it's about five or six dollars a a piece at the time. Um, I don't know if the prices have gone up, but that one I remember. And I was like, man, this is a great stick. I could smoke this all the time. Um, and ever since then, I actually have not had it again because I've just been so worried about trying new stuff. Yeah, I actually never went back to revisit it and see if I still like it. I think my first box press was uh, Underground. I want to say it was an Underground. I'm not a dogma, mm. I believe. Maybe. I could be wrong. 
Wow. It's been a lot of been a lot of cigars because I remember when I first started, I saw a box press and I was like, "No, no, thank you. That seems gimmicky. That's I don't know what that is. <laughs> don't want it. Like that's machine made." But yeah, you learn. Well, I mean, every nobody knows everything that when they first start out. So uh, as we all grow, we should all learn. But yeah, it's. I, it took me a while to do some box press stuff. I think I just t- I leapt in. I was like, you know what? I, w- I wonder what a box press is all about. I've had Gurkhas. I've had, you know, Camachos and stuff. You know, I had yeah. these round ones. Like, what's this box press stuff? Like, what's so, why, why, do we, uh, why do I even care that box press is in the name? And I got it. And I was like, oh, shit. This looks like an actual, like, rectangle square type thing. Huh, interesting. I tried it. I was like, man, this is really good. <laughs> so then, uh, you know. Yeah, fascination with box press. <laughs> I was at a brick and mortar uh, here in Vegas somewhere, one of those. And uh, there was a guy in there, and he was just talking mad shit about box press. He, he, I guess he's a box press hater. So I, I don't know. I, some people just go about their day hating life itself, I guess. I don't know. There's no reason well, to hate. Uh, yeah, I have no reason to hate. Um, yeah, I, like I said, some cigar purists. Because of back in pre-embargo Cuba, they said, hey, these are mass-produced, these are cheaper, you know, they don't taste as good, whatever the case is, you know, they just hate on box press. I personally have no issues with box press. Um, I know a lot of uh, roll, uh, master blenders, uh, they've done some box presses. I think Oscar Fernandez has done a box press before. Um I don't think Steve Sock has done one. I think AJ Hernandez has. I don't remember. But there's, I mean, there's a bunch of companies out there that do box press and, you know, they win. They get up there on the, on the, I've seen some on the, on the Cigar Aficionado's top 25 list. They, they get into like the top 10, top five. I definitely would think there's a slightly different flavor profile with a box press because I, I would assume they have to take some of the filler out in order to get that box press shape. So, I, uh, I don't know. It'd be interesting if we both, you get a box press and I get a regular of the same kind and we compare our notes. Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to try that. You know, maybe one, maybe one night where we do a, a double cigar special and, and then we both have, you know, box press and a regular and then kind of flip flop back and forth. All right. Kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Let us know if you, let us know if you guys want us to do that. Yeah, uh, if you have any recommendations of which ones to try with that, that'll be cool. We'll do that. I will 100% sit here and BS with you for two cigars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everything, you know, we were talking about, you know, the how they're made and the history and everything else, and even how to cut the box press cigars. Um, I just think there's, I don't know, I almost prefer box press to normal cigars. Uh, partially, I think... And this may be this may sound weird, but my finger does not get as tired holding a box press as it does a regular cigar. Yes, I know my finger curls. Shut the fuck up. But I tend to hold mine directly in between my fingers. I don't roll them over each other like I'm making like the the finger cross. I actually tend to hold mine straight like in between my fingers. And so when I do that, I don't have to go as wide to do a box press. I know it sounds weird. No, I get it because I have a cigar stand and the cigar stand doesn't, obviously it doesn't work for a box press. Also, most ashtrays, 
cigar ashtrays are not made for a box press. So I can definitely understand. It's like a right-handed person trying, or a left-handed person living in a right-handed world, you know? Yeah. So there's not many items out there made for a box press. No, no, but that's all right. That's all right. We still love them. Uh, please comment um, on Instagram at leadership of the leaf and let us know what is your favorite box press. And then also give us some recommendations on what you would like us to, to see if we did that double cigar episode where we smoke a regular rolled cigar and then a uh, box press of the same type. I have to. I have a confession. Oh lord! Knowing that we was going to do a box press. Why episode. didn't we get box press? <laughs> Why didn't we smoke a box press on a box press episode? Poor planning. Very poor planning. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in my second third. And with my second third, the, the coffee is really there, but I will have to say cherry, a slight cherry, cherry. flavor. Yes, a cherry flavor is coming through. And uh, I coughed a little bit earlier. I don't know if you guys heard that. I was trying to do that, uh, you know, retro inhale, and I failed miserably, and I got cherry. Cherry. Hmm. I will say that I'm still getting earth and wood, but I'm getting that vanilla is kind of coming back out. Mox press. So you would think well, with a name like Dice, Box box Press would be my jam. It, Did it's... you just say jam because you have magic toast? Yes. <laughs> Why are you calling me out? Because I'll just make it sure. <laughs> what? No dad jokes? I can't do that? <laughs> nope. Nope. You can. You can. 100%. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So so you'd think we would think that they'd be your jam, right? But they're not. <laughs> the no, I, I wouldn't turn them. I wouldn't turn them down. I wouldn't say it's my my favorite or go to, but I haven't found one that's like you know what I prefer the box press over the regular. I, you know, I I would have to say that in, in fairness, just thinking back quickly, right off the top of my head, um, I have not smoked enough box press of one and then a regular like rolled circular cigar of the the same blend to actually tell a difference. Well, to actually like know which one would be my favorite or not. Well, you know, when you go to your brick and mortar and you have two of the same exact cigars and then you like, ah, I'm gonna get the box press over to normal. That's when you know like, hey, that cigar tastes better as a box press or I get more flavors or it's more rich out of the box press over a normal size one. Because if I would assume that a master blender, if they're doing a box press, they're gonna pull out some of the fillers that really really don't matter that much really doesn't right. hit home so they want to key in on what the flavor profile they was reaching for to begin with instead of just throwing filler in to make a cigar fatter i do know that i get more subtle flavors uh which can take a little bit more time to to reach when i do a box press mm. i get those yeah. more subtle notes they come through a little bit clearer i can see that so uh we're gonna take a quick break but we've been talking about the box press, and then as soon as we come back, Dice, what are we talking about again? Uh, we gotta, you know, when to cut someone loose. When is enough enough? Oof. All right, well, let's take that break, and then we'll, we'll discuss that when we come. Hey, uh, hey, Austin. Yeah. 
Hey, uh, no use doing this leadership of the meat podcast, and you're smoking up some cigars. Absolutely. I'm curious, how would I know what cigars you're smoking? Oh, that is a, a phenomenal question. At the beginning of the episodes, we always talk about the cigars we are smoking. But if you want to see a picture of what the band looks like, because maybe you can't find it or we didn't explain it good enough, you can always go to our Instagram or our website, and we'll post pictures of what we're smoking and usually what we're drinking with every episode. Don't forget, we need to follow the podcast so we know when new episodes drop. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that break. We're going to start with our leadership segment about when to cut someone loose. When is enough enough? Mm. Well, if uh, since I'm still married, at least seven years is not <laughs> long enough to cut somebody loose. Uh, I hear you on that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love my wife. Oh. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you gotta cut. You gotta, sometimes you gotta cut cut the bad tree, uh, bad fruit off the tree, and make that sacrifice. You know, time is money. Money is time, so don't waste either. Oh, uh, that's one of my favorites, sir. I uh, I know, I know. <laughs> but uh, you know, sometimes you gotta know when to end a personal or professional relationship with someone. Uh, sometimes you gotta do it abruptly. Sometimes you can kind of just let it, let that relationship, uh, you know kind of just die off on its own I believe, but it's definitely I, very hard to judge I believe, I believe the hip the hip hop hippity hip term for that sir is ghosting ghosting is, yes. did I use that right I think <laughs> <laughs> we're showing our age <laughs> can't believe that, that dude ghosted me the other day yeah uh, so I will know, I will say this, right? So I have done this before where I have felt a relationship is one-sided. Um, and I've just stopped responding or stopped initiating contact with that person, that individual. Uh, and, uh, I still haven't talked to them to this day. Oh, perfect. Cause that's exactly what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, well, obviously I did not mean enough to you. <laughs> well, I do know um, when trying to figure out if it's time to let someone go, cut them loose, whatever words we want to use, it, it's definitely hard to judge. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. I, I, well, and the thing is, is right, so it depends on the person that you're, that you're looking at that relationship to end, right? So if it's a professional relationship with um, a peer or a subordinate um or, uh, you know, um, how even a boss, it's, you kind of got to sit there and look at like, if I, if I cut ties with this person, I don't even want to say cut ties. Let, let's just say cut ties. If I cut ties with this person, what am I losing? What am I sacrificing by giving up this person in my life? And, and if you sit down and you think about it and you're like, well, I'm really not giving up a whole heck of a lot. Um, you know, I'm, I've given up my work buddy, uh, you know, somebody I share memes with. Well, is that really worth the negative that caused you to sit there and think about ending the relationship with the person or not? 
Well, if you're sitting there and you put thought comes up with a big fat goose egg, then I believe the answer to that question is is, is easy. Right. Nothing. Cut them loose. Yeah. If you don't need them, cut them loose. Right. And we're not saying burn that bridge, right? We're not saying burn their house down and go after them and, and you know, make them, make them an enemy. We're just saying, you know, you can just sit there and be like, fine, I don't, I don't need to talk to you and, you know, let it go. That's fine. You can ghost that person or they can ghost you, whatever the case is. Your time is precious, you know? I, I constantly talk to my wife and, and how I make my financial decisions sometimes. If if I'm paying somebody to deliver something or, or assemble something uh, for my house or whatever, um, I take a look at how, how long is it going to take me to do that same thing? Yeah. Is it going to, how much effort am I going to waste? How much headache and time am I going to sit here and waste trying to move that fridge into my kitchen? Um, if it, the answer is like, I'm going to waste like a couple hours and I'm going to tear up my, my house and my door, my garage door, trying to get in the front door of my house uh, when I could just let professionals do this, that may be worth that 40 bucks for me to do it. It's a convenience fee. Yeah. Definitely look at it the same way. So the same thing is, you know, person, if, if you're sitting there like, well, I'm constantly initiating contact with this person or I'm constantly doing X, Y, or Z, or they're just taking more than they're giving. How much is your time worth? How much energy are you expending on this person? Right. Yeah. Um, dealing, dealing with like objects and items is kind of easy to kind of judge because you can actually kind of weigh your calls and time all that but when you're dealing with a person each each person each situation like that is going to be different mm-hmm. and you have to like choose how to go about this because like you said you don't want to burn any bridges like laws of power everyone is a pawn in your game eventually at some point in time so you don't want to burn that bridge right so so my wife uh actually cut out one of her one of her good friends lifelong friends uh, and this was around the, the time my, my kid was born and, uh, and she tried to do this tactfully, right? So she, she thought about it and, and she had been kind of ghosting them. She'd sit there and respond when they responded, but then, uh, you know, the, the conversation would end after she responded She the, that friend would never text back. Um, and you know, they'd go six months and then the friend would like just text back and she'd respond again. And they talk for a little bit and then it just end with my wife ending on a, her own message. So she's like, well, obviously this person's not just doing anything. They're also very kind of a toxic person, very narcissistic. Mm. Uh, everything was all about them, right? So uh, my, my wife didn't want them around us. And, and when they found out that she was pregnant, um, they were like, oh, I can't wait to see the baby. I can't wait to spend all this time with the kid. And we're like, you know, my wife kind of asked me, she's like, well, what do you think? And I said, look, your friend, your decision, but here's my two cents on it since you're asking my opinion. Uh, so she called him up and she explained to them very tactfully as best she could, you know, uh, that, hey, I don't want you in my life anymore. You're a bad negative person and I don't feel the need to indulge you any longer. You are a drain on my mental health. Um, and just tried to try to give them, you know, a, Hey, this is, this is this, um, that person, that friend ended up like hanging up on the phone, hanging up on him, wouldn't talk to him, cried, tried to turn all of her 
friends and family against her. Um, obviously, it didn't work. Uh, so it just kind of confirmed what we're what she was. She was like, "Well, this is I made the right choice, right?" Yeah, yeah. Especially if you sit down and you have that tactful conversation with someone, and their response is very negative, very you know disheartening. That that just confirms your decision to move forward with the ghosting, move forward with cutting that person out of your life. Right. So that, that, that makes it an easier decision. Yeah. Um, that person, that, that friend has reached out and said, Hey, could we talk some more and try to work things out? And she's like, she said, yeah, sure. Here's my, here's my boundaries, right? Here's my line in the sand. If you will, here's where I'm willing to sit. Here's where I'm willing, what I'm willing to do to try to work this out with you. Um, and it was kind of on her terms. The friend still has not tried and to this day has not actually said, Hey, let's meet up on this day at this place to try to talk this out. Nothing. They said, Hey, let's, let's talk. Let's do all this stuff. Nothing. And I was like, sure, we'll talk. Here's my, my avail, my weekly availability. I can do it on these days around this evening time, whatever. Um, nothing. She's like, yeah. just let me know. Nothing, nothing has made it thing. Well, that, that's perfect. That's a perfect situation because there's always two sides to the coin. So you reach out tactfully, say what you need to do, do your piece. And normally you probably get a negative response. So you go ahead and like, nope, this person is done no longer. But sometimes people want to change. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I see the error in my ways. I'm going to move this. I'm going to do that. When someone gives you that false hope or give you some kind of response to where they're going to try, it's perfect. Allow that to happen because you want that to happen. So allow it to happen. But the thing is, is you gotta, as you said, draw lines in the sand. You have to set it up to your parameters because you're the one that cut them out of your life. So if they give the, you give them like two weeks and you get no time or nothing changes, then you go ahead and continue with your decision of cutting them out of your life. But sometimes telling someone tactfully that they suck at life and you don't want them part of your life, that, that kind of can be a wake up call for some people like, oh, I didn't know that about, I didn't know the situation was like that. I didn't know you felt that way. Let me do this to make it up to you. And of course, most people, I, I call that the honeymoon phase. They want to make it up to you. And then they, and two weeks go by, you're back to square one. Right. So you just cut that person out your life. If, if there's no change, there's, the rhetoric is all the same. Just, just wave by. Yep. Yep. And, and, and the case of like my wife, <clears throat> you know, I've seen her be happier since that, that friend was cut out of her life. And she even tells me, she goes, I, uh, she goes, you know, I'm willing to meet with him to talk with him. But at the same time, I'm actually like kind of dreading the possibility that I may even try to think about letting them in my life. And I was like, well, that just reinforces your decision then. You yeah. know, if you're, if you're dreading that letting, like if you've spent six months, two months apart and you're like, oh man, I'm so much happier. And then you go back and you're like, ah, oh, I just, I really don't want to go back and be with this person. That's a sign that you just need to just be like, all right, I'm done. I'm out. I can't do yeah. this anymore. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to turn gray worrying about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, in the professional sense, if it's a peer, right, and you're forced to work with them on the daily, um, you know, and they're used to you being besties or whatever, or you saying yes to all their stuff, uh, you know, try just say hey pull them aside say hey look i don't agree with you for what you know just start standing on your own two feet hey i don't agree with you because of these reasons hey you know try to sit there and make sure you are your own person make sure your 
confidence uh, and your your uh, stance on things is solid and where you're going to sit there and stand and you're not going to budge because at a certain time you're going to have to sit there and say, hey, look, I, you know, you may agree with them and you may disagree with them. Who knows? Um, hey, I agree with you on this position that we need to move the company in this direction. I disagree with on how you said it to us and how you presented it because it made it seem like we're a bunch of schmucks and I really don't appreciate being called a schmuck and you're the you're the savior come to to save us all a lot of those situations where you have to work with someone and you want to cut them loose but it's impossible because you have that working relationship a lot of those times uh, i know for me from experiences i just keep it a professional relationship i don't ask mm -hmm. them about the basketball game that happened last night i don't tell them what happened this weekend i don't even talk about restaurants you know i'm just yeah I don't even want to talk about the weather. Like, can we get Project A complete today? Okay, this is what I'm gonna do. This is, this is what you're gonna do? Okay, we'll meet in the middle and then we'll clock out at the same time. Cause I don't want to have that relationship. I just want to have it, a professional working relationship. Yeah, um, I had that happen to me. Uh, I had a work, we'll call it a work wife, right? She was, me and her were close, we were tight. You know, our my wife knew her and her husband um, me and her were close, so we, we talk all the time, talk about everything. We'd go hang out at each other's offices and work on projects together, whatever the case was. She had said something uh, that I did not agree with, and I and it was uh, I took it as a personal attack. So I went and talked to her about it. I said, hey, I, I feel semi-attacked by what you said the other night, um, and I really don't appreciate it. Uh, she's like, well, I'm not wrong so you can either like either kind of get on board or get out of the way type thing and i said well then i guess we're just kind of done here and i just started staying in my office working on my projects not helping her with her she didn't help me with mine um you know i started taking i stopped volunteering to help her and then it actually got escalated it got elevated to a point where um the boss came and talked to me and said hey uh it's being noticed that this is how close we were. It's being noticed that you don't spend as much time with person snuffy. And, uh, we just, they've come talk to me and said that it feels like almost like a, a hostile work environment for them. Now her being a female, they took her word on it. And I said, well, can I tell you my side of the story? They said, sure. Luckily I had good bosses at the time because that doesn't always happen. But I, right. I told them, I told them what she had said. Um, and they said, oh, okay. I said, so I talked to her about it. I said, I didn't appreciate that. She told me she didn't care. So I stopped hanging out with her because I'm not going to hang around with people who attack me on a personal level and attack my family. And they said, okay, that's fine. I said, I'm not going out of my way to be mean to her. I'm not doing anything. I'm just, I suddenly started staying in my, in my own office. I didn't go down and talk to her. I just stayed in my office. I didn't. I wasn't walking past her, calling her a B word or nothing. I was, I was just silent. It just dropped professional. And, uh, they're like, Oh, okay. Got it. We understand if you need anything, let us know. And that was, that was the end of it. But it was just one of those things where it, I cut that professional, I cut those personal ties and just left that professional thread because I had to. Your scenario, it probably happens to quite a few people. The problem with, severing ties with someone or just making a professional only relationship some a lot of for a lot of people it usually happens too late 
yeah. they wait too late to do something and then it's too far in the game for them to like backtrack yep yeah and that's kind of what happened to me is she had made a couple remarks that i kind of ignored and kind of laughed off thinking that she didn't really mean it and that she she got bolder and i was like oh nope i'm done i'm out <laughs> um you know cross that line so to speak but you know um in a similar scenario i was trying to train somebody and my boss said hey you're good you train this person i said okay fine um i was training that person and they were continually messing up every single day um and I finally was just like, hey, are you meaning to mess up or are you just an idiot? <laughs> and they're I'm not, no, no, no. I learned a lot from you. And I said, great. You still suck at this. Like if I could fire you, I would 100% fire you because it's been, it's been six months and you're still making the same mistakes you were on month six as you were on month one. You haven't progressed anywhere. Um, and that's one of those hard things to do to be like, you just, your talents lie somewhere else, not here, but somewhere else. Well, yeah, you know, we've worked together before, so, you know, I've had several, I had several people that have been trained by others or trained by someone else. And then the person that trained them just is one of those that gets by. So they mm -hmm. just, so of course their subordinate that's been trained by someone that just gets by. And then when they get me as their trainer. And I lay into them and they continue to continuously do the bad habits and not willing to learn the proper technique or proper way. I, I just, that's another one. I just got to cut loose. I, you're going to continuously do the wrong thing after I told you that is completely wrong. So I'm, I'm not going to waste my time because time is money. And if you waste my time, you're wasting my money. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to invest my money into you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. And, and you know, um, the guy that I was training, he kind of just given up on on being good, uh, and I could tell it's you. It was seen by his attitude. He just kind of was just eoring along, and I call I say eor, you know. Okay, <laughs> all right. I guess I'll just never be as good as you. Like, yeah, fuck yeah, with that attitude, you won't. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, like if I would just if I could, I would have been like you're. I would have been like Donald Trump. You fired. <laughs> oh, you just gotta cut them loose. I, I, I hate those type of situations because a lot of times they shows they show a glimmer of of hope, especially like within that first like week or so of yeah of getting to know them. Like, all right, guy, you got it. You show me this initi initiative. I, I and then the ER attitude comes out. They roll their eyes or they're like, "Well, I'm just doing it this way because it's faster or whatever silly excuse people come up with." This way, I've always done it. I know that. That's why I'm trying to teach you the right way. But you continuously, continuously do the wrong. I'm tired of reprimanding you. I'm tired of doing remedial training because now you're cutting into my time. So I'm wasting my money on something that's fruitless. Right. Uh, I actually just had this talk with a, a friend of mine. She is a manager um, of a of a deli bakery section, right? And like one of the chain stores, like a Walmart and albertson's homeland winn dixie piggly wiggly whatever you want to call right it's one of those did you just say motherfucking piggly wiggly i did oh <laughs> uh, okay go ahead sorry piggly wiggly Anywho. is like the hometown store for us where i grew up right okay right 
so so she's she's that manager over like the deli bakery section right got it so um she's actually i was talking to her tonight actually right before this po- uh right before we did this podcast and um she uh she said oh i gotta go into work for like two hours because i gotta i gotta decorate some stuff because the guys the people i had decorating it last time got bad reviews they said it looked like a child had done it so now I got to go in and do it. I said, that just sounds like you're micromanaging. She goes, well, yeah, because that's the right answer. I said, no, it's not. Why are you not training them how to do it correctly? And then if they, if they mess it up, tell them that they have to redo the whole thing and then like re- write them up, reprimand them something. So that way they have a strike against them. So when it comes time to, if they continually to mess up, you could sit there and go, here's all the chances that I've given you. Here's how you've messed up. You're fired. Get out. And she said, well, that's not the, that's not the answer in my store. And I said, then your store is wrong. And it only runs the way you want it. That only runs that way because you allow it to. And she could not get it through her head that I was like, you, that's you're, you're taking on more tasks because you're afraid that people are going to fail. So now you're forcing yourself to work extra time that doesn't need to be worked because you you don't want a bad review or whatever. And I was like, that's just that's unacceptable. I would write every mother trucker in that that section up in a heartbeat. If they can't do it right, then they deserve to be written up. I was said, yeah. I told her, I was like, I was like, why don't you just train them? Said, give them the time, tell them what time you're showing up. If they if they have it done, you inspect the work. If it looks like ass, tell them it looks like ass and tell them to redo it, and then write them up. And or if they don't have it done, you sit there and you tell them tell them to do it and watch them and then tell correct them on the spot. Oh no no, no I can't do that. Yes you can. You're the fucking manager. Of course you can. <laughs> if you can, who can? Right, Call yeah, me. Was, phone, phone a friend. Yeah, I was like, I'll, I'll go in there and tell them that they suck. <laughs> I'm the one that left the review. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hold on. But she she's young, so she I'm trying to trying to get her to to learn this stuff. But you know, it's it's hard because she goes, well, all of my people are just unhappy. I said, hey, law number ten in the forty eight laws of power: avoid the unhappy and avoid the unlucky. Yeah, because uh, misery loves company. That's that's the saying, right? So mm-hmm. law number ten is, is is addressing just that situation. If you have a bunch of grumpy glasses gloomy gusses or whatever working around you guess what's going to happen your whole team is going to be grumpy gloomy and just can't get right yeah that's why as a leader you have to take action you have to try to reverse those situations before the you know the one rotten apple spoils the bunch yeah um and i've seen it sometimes you don't you don't get a choice sometimes that person uh, is on your team and your boss put them on that team and so now you have to work with them and that's unfortunate uh, the best thing I can tell you guys to do in that situation is realize that there is a, a there's time there's a there's an instant of time there's a block of time between input whatever happens to you right their action and how it affects you there's a block of time between that and your reaction how you react to that input, right? You can choose to be upset and gloomy and grumpy like they are, or you can choose to be happy that, you know, you're so blessed to have a job and have money and not be homeless and all this other stuff. 
uh, or what are you know whatever makes you happy uh or hey i had a good day because i got you know six chicken tenders at zaxby's instead of five like i ordered i don't whatever makes you happy that day whatever made you happy that day hey i had i had all green lights on my way to work fuck yeah good job <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah. you can choose to sit there and let them let their negative attitude affect you uh, or you cannot and i think that's one of those underrated things that people don't quite recognize because everyone gets an input and it's a it's just a here's my reaction we're constantly reacting and we're not choosing our reactions from my experience if you have a group and you're the leader of that group and you have that one poor unfortunate soul that just is woe is me woe is the world then you have you can kind of change your attitude like you were saying you have the split time you try to make them part of the group you give them that warm, happy, fuzzy feeling like they belong and then you want them to be part of the group. After some time, if that doesn't change around, maybe it's time to trim the fat if you can. If you can't trim the fat, then it's best to give that person a task or something to where their input and all there will only reflect from their point of view and not the whole groups. Yep. Yep. And sometimes that's hard to do, uh, especially if you're not the leader of the team. However, if you can, uh, and you can offer advice to said leader of the team, but if, if you can't, if you can give input to that to that team leader um, or your boss or whatever, you know, hey, 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 this is this person is really dragging us down. Hey, I've tried to make him feel part of the team. Blah 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 blah. I've done everything correctly. Is there any way to move them? Is there any way to get them a different task? Um, you know, and if they say no, then you just have to sit there and try to try to maybe not associate with them as much associate with those who are like happy and fortunate and, and, you know, choose to be with those people. I I'm always of the opinion. If you want to accomplish something, sit at the feet of the master. If you want to become a millionaire, go sit at the feet of a millionaire. If you want to lose weight, go sit at the feet of somebody who's all, like your body that you want to, to help you ask for help you know what i mean like if you want to accomplish something go look at the people who have accomplished what you're trying to accomplish and study how they did it if i had the opportunity i would sit there and i would shadow elon musk every fucking second of the day because i want to know how that dude does it so well read his book if you haven't i have not and i i should but but you see what i'm saying like if i you know or jeff bezos no, you're 100% right. You're 100% right. Sit at the foot of the master of the person you're wanting to go to. So if you want your CEO's job or your COO's job or your CFO's job, something like that, go sit with them. Learn from them. Nine times out of 10, if you go up there and you say, hey, I need feedback on how I'm doing. How can I improve? What would you do in this situation? They'll be, they will be happy. You're asking somebody to talk about themselves. They love that. Everybody loves to talk about themselves. Nobody wants to listen to somebody talk about themselves, except for those who are trying to accomplish what they've accomplished. That, that is a very well put, very well said statement, sir. I have to agree with you. And my wife made me read the Elon book. And I will say it did open my eyes to quite a few different things. Um, no, I don't want to do like a spoiler, but spoiler alert, I guess, whatever. Elon 
had the mindset that if I hired you to do something and you tell me you can't do it, or you give me all these excuses to why it can't be done, he would fire them and said, I'll do it myself. See, and see, that's the thing. Like, if, if you're going to, you know, if you can do that, then great. And that's, um, that's one of those things. I actually read a story about somebody who was trying to, I think they were trying to just learn something from Elon or give him something, but they showed up with a, a prototype of their their own design. He saw them within 30 seconds, said, no, get out of my office. They laughed. They took, they kind of paused for a half second. They laughed and said, oh, you think we're, we're trying to pitch you an idea? No, no, no. This is a gift for you from our prototype. What we're trying to do is figure out what steps you would take next and just just be friends and talk to you and get, get sage advice, so to speak. We don't need your money. We don't need anything from you. We just want to talk to you. And he was like, oh, okay. Had three-hour conversation. They all laughed as friends. They all got along great. But it took them saying, no, no, no. I don't need anything from you other than advice. And he yeah. was like, oh, okay, cool. But they showed up with like a prototype and he thought they, they were trying to pitch him something. He, he thought they were trying to pitch him something. He was like, "No, that's not how. That's they were try, they, they were genuine, and the genuine, the genuineness uh, disarmed him and kind of was like, "Oh, okay, you don't need anything from me. All right, cool. What do you need then? What what can I do to help you? Oh, we just want to talk and be friends and see what you would do. Oh, okay, cool, done." Yeah. And so he immediately cut his ties, and then I was like, "Wait, wait, wait we don't want you to cut our ties." Don't yeah. cut us loose. Yeah. Hear me out. And so he drew a line in the sand and boom, they became yeah. friends. It worked out. Yeah. And they, they had, but they had to, they had to kind of make him realize that we're not trying to, he thought they were trying to get something from like money from him. He's like, no, 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 I don't need money. This is all I need. And he was like, oh, okay, cool. It was a very interesting story though. Yeah. But, uh, as we draw to a close, I think I'm in my final third. I see that you're probably in your about final third. How's your cigar? I'm in my final third. I'm, I'm close enough to it. The the cherry turned more to a dried fruit, I guess. Because it's not exactly like cherry, but it still has like a fruity, fruity like flavor profile to it. Um, uh, as the, the coffee turned to more of a dark chocolate. Hmm. And then I don't, when I say it, I don't want someone to be like, oh, it's dark chocolate. No, it has like the flavor, the, the, the comings of a dark chocolate mixed with the dried fruit. So it, it's, it's not as strong, overpowering in those directions, but it's definitely there. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I, this last third, I'm getting, I'm getting a woodsy type earthy earthy flavor still it's it's got a little hint of like cocoa in there um just enough it you know that i will say the single barrel is is pairing so well with the cigar that it um the flavors are blending together i'm like i'll take a sip of, of my whiskey and then i'll puff on my cigar and I, it's it's hard to tell where the whiskey ends and the cigar begins so it's a nice hickory oak type uh yeah. flavor and it's it's just it's balanced and it's great i've been, I, i've thoroughly enjoyed this cigar being that you just brought alcohol into it that, that brings uh, my hennessy to the forefront 
drink and has more of a dried fruit like aftertone to it so that could be what changed the cherry flavor to the dried fruit not 100% sure on that but it makes sense so what you're saying all adds up I like it it's yeah this is very good cigar very well balanced cigar um CAO is probably one of my favorite cigar companies uh just because I don't know, I'm trying I'm really trying to search here I don't think that I have had a bad cigar from CAO I've had some that the draw is not quite perfect on um, I've had some that are maybe my favorite but I don't think that I've actually had a bad cigar from CAO and I've had the Italia the Americana the uh, Amazon Basin the Brasilia the Bones the um, I've had a flathead several different flavors of uh, sizes of flatheads this is I mean they're very well made I still want you to try the Soprano or whatever they changed the name to now. I still want you to try that. Soprano? I'm going to have to look yeah. into that one. I think they changed the name. I'll probably say it wrong. Forgive me. Consigliere? Oh, Consigliere? Or whatever? Yeah. Wow. I completely didn't say what you said, but we're talking about the same thing. Yep. No, I know which one you're talking about. I have not tried it. I've wanted to try it. Uh, in fairness, I just have not bought one. Yeah, it's, it's the Soprano one. They just re- change the name I yeah. guess rebranded however you want to say it because I'm pretty sure their contract ran out of so from the Sopranos but it still yeah. was a good cigar yeah I will have to say to an end I have to applaud you for bringing in uh one of the 48 laws of power there law 10 I appreciate that that's good looking out I'm here for you um if you guys have not read the book 48 laws of power or seven habits of highly effective people I would recommend both of those books. Highly recommend both of those books. Um, they are great leadership books. They are on uh, the chief of staff of the military's uh, reading list almost every year. Um, they're they're phenomenal books. Go read them if you haven't done it. They'll they'll help you out a lot. Even if you're not in a leadership position, just go read them. They're good books. You can't get them wrong. Uh, we have a list of our books that we read. Uh, Goodreads, if anybody has a Goodreads account. Uh, if they don't, they can go to our website, which is nsplume.wixsite, W-I-X-S-I-T-E, dot com forward slash L-O-T-L. You can also find our link in the bio of Instagram, Leadership of the League. But uh, yeah, a list of our reads on there. Quite a few leadership books. Some other like just entertaining books in there. Just, uh, you know, a reading list. Something uh, to give you something or two. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I need to finish up my, my grant book and, and move on because I, I do want to finish that book here in the very near future. It's just so interesting. I can't, I don't always get a, a chance to, to read as much as I want to with my young preschool age child now. So it oh. keeps me rather busy. Yeah, I, I would like to do an episode of uh, maybe of books we've read because I, I would be very interested to hear your thoughts on the Grant book. Uh, yeah, I'd love to share those. That uh, Maybe we could do that uh, on the next episode or maybe even a sidebar. A sidebar would be good. All right. Uh, until next time, I just want you guys to remember not to be that asshole. Cut those people out of your life that are making bad choices or forcing you to make bad choices. Uh, and just don't be that asshole.
And like my friend here, there's no bad cigars, especially by CAO. There's just better ones out there, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Until next time, folks. Thank you for listening to Leadership of the Leaf. The comments and opinions expressed by the host and guests does not reflect the opinions of those that broadcast this show, nor does it reflect any of our affiliates.